0: for 50% off your delicious, hassle-free meals.
1: Hi, my name is Vinny Todd Tolman or Vincent Todd Tolman. And I did have a a death experience myself back in 2003, me and a really good friend of mine. We took a brand new supplement that was very popular and hot at the time and we ordered it online and took it and turned out it was toxic for both our bodies. We decided quickly to go to a restaurant to eat some food and hopefully that would make us feel better and we barely made it in. My buddy made it into the dining room and collapsed on one of the dining tables. He uh, began to vomit and the manager called 911, got him taken away and And he ended up uh, coming out of the hospital the very next day totally fine. Meanwhile, my story is a bit different. I ended up dying. I went in the bathroom. I locked the door because it was a single-use bathroom. So I locked the door, I went in, and I too kind of lost my balance, fell to the ground the same way my buddy did in that booth. But as I did it, I fell onto my back. And when I fell onto my back and started to vomit, it made me aspirate or suffocate. And that is where my story takes quite a, an odd turn, where I get to see our real existence. And the very moment that this happened, I remember the room spinning and, and seeing just all darkness around me and being plunged into this cool, dark feeling and, and almost an electrical or, or electricity type feeling that I was plunged into. And almost instantly, I started to see a scene unfolding in front of me and to me it seemed like a movie it seemed like a play it didn't seem like it was real because I was distant from it I was observing it but yet I was distant from it and I was definitely the observer because where I was 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 here where I was and not down there and it is odd to say but I didn't know it was my own body I didn't know that what I was looking at was my own body I thought that what I was looking at was a dead body and it didn't look like me at that point. The skin was very muddled and pink and yellow and and purple actually, very, very purple. And the neck had swollen as wide as the jawbone on the body which is not normal either. And so it just didn't look human to me. It almost looked like a fake body. And I also was perceiving thoughts and the feelings and the emotions of everybody in that building and in that little restaurant. I could feel and hear the thoughts of the manager and and the worry that he had for the guy that had just been taken away in an ambulance that he didn't know. And, you know, I'm hearing the thoughts of of customers in the restaurant as well as the cook in the back. And I'm just aware of all these things. And, and it was very different. And I, I kept thinking that this is such a weird way to see a movie to be able to hear and understand everyone in the scene. And as this was happening, one of the customers kept trying to use the restroom, kept trying to get the, the locked door open. And after so many times, he he approached the manager and, and said, hey, um, I think, you know, someone might be in trouble in there. He kept hearing a phone ring. So the manager went over, knocked on the door and opened the door and saw the dead body on the ground. At this point, they did call 911 again. They called the emergency services. They got emergency services there, a second team, to respond and as they responded they did pronounce the body dead they did some preliminary attempts to try to resuscitate the body or bring it back but didn't work they knew that the body was was long gone it was actually starting to turn cold it felt cold to them so they went ahead and proceeded to bag the body up they put the body into a bag zipped it up they strapped it to a emt or medical gurney and proceeded to put it in the back of an ambulance and waited and filled out paperwork with the manager of the restaurant and a couple of witnesses. And then they also um, had a police officer come to the scene and they signed some paperwork with him. And they went ahead and pulled away from the scene to take this body and turn it into the medical examiner. And still at no point, at no point did it even dawn on me that what I was watching was my body. The whole time I, I really felt What was going on was me was up here watching everything. So how could that be my body? So I'm watching them pull away from the scene of this restaurant and they get out on the main road. As they get onto that main road, instantly, right as they hit that road, I see a glow start to form around this brand new medic. He's sitting in the back of the ambulance. The two veteran medics are sitting in the front. But this rookie medic, his first week on the job, He's literally started to glow around his heart area. His heart area started to actually have light coming from it. And as I was witnessing this, I was just in kind of in awe. It was very, very powerful and very beautiful just to even perceive this light coming from him. And out of nowhere, I feel this very strong force come over my left shoulder where I am. And literally, I felt the velocity of something going over my shoulder and I could perceive that energy actually hit that rookie medic right there in the heart space. And as it did, I heard very loudly, this one's not dead. And I looked around, I looked around to see where that voice came from. And so did he, so did the rookie medic. He looked around, he he didn't know where that voice came from. As a follow-up to that, he was looking over at the other two medics thinking, maybe it's them that are trying to play a trick on me. And realized quickly that it wasn't them. And they began to keep going down the road, about another block down the road. And he didn't do anything. He just, he did hear the message though. He knew he heard it. And that light, that light was still there glowing around his heart. it started to expand and get bigger. And literally, instead of just glowing around his heart space, it went all the way to his waist, to above his head. He was literally glowing from the waist up, completely glowing of this golden light. A very golden light and then for a second time I felt this force go over my left shoulder and I heard even louder the second time this one's not dead now when that was said the second time the medic he knew he wanted to do something about this so we went ahead and he undid a couple of straps on that body he unzipped the zipper on the the bag itself the body bag and he started feeling around he started feeling around to see if he could get any time any sign of life, any pulse, any type of sign of life, and he didn't find anything. So he went ahead and undid some more strap on the bags, on the body, and then unzipped the zipper even further down. And as he did, he went into the inner thigh or the inner leg, and he was feeling for a big artery there. And as he was trying to feel for that artery, he made a physical contact with the bone inside the leg. And when he made that contact, I felt an ignition or a spark, I felt a real strong spark of almost electricity or electrical spark between me and him. And I knew he felt it too. We both felt it instantly. And that's when I started to realize something really odd was going on, something that did involve me. And this rookie medic, he, the miracle of it to me at this point, when he felt that spark, that was enough for him that he wanted to at least try, try some more to resuscitate this body. So he went ahead and began the process of, of attempting the resuscitation of this body. He started forcing oxygen into the lungs. He started the procedures that they typically do. As he did so, he hooked up a special machine that shocks the body to get the heart to start again. And this machine, it makes a loud alarm once you turn it on and it gets ready to charge the body with electricity. As it does, this alarm going off, it made the other two medics stop what they were doing and look back and see what this rookie was doing in the back of the ambulance. And when they saw this, they really started tearing into this guy and, and tearing him down, telling him, hey, you're gonna get fired, this is illegal, you can't do this, this is a dead body, this is not an experiment, you need to stop. And they were telling him to fully just stop to leave the body alone and zip it back up. And he didn't. He went ahead and let that first round of shocks go. Uh, Nothing happened though. That first round of shocks didn't do anything. The second round of shocks, he went to a second round. They did get a single heartbeat and the monitor stayed flatlining or no heartbeat. But they got one single heartbeat on the second round of shocks, which that motivated him to get to the third round of shocks. When he got to the third round of shocks, they got a steady and faint heartbeat. And to me, an added miracle to all of this, not just the miracle of this amazing rookie that followed this prompting or this feeling, this voice, this happened one block away from a hospital. The heart started one block away from a hospital. So they were able to turn this body directly into the hospital and have a trauma team there waiting, ready to receive it and begin the painstaking work to preserve life and help that body fully come back and be conscious. As this is all happening, I still, where I was, was not aware that what I was watching was me. Until this point, as they transferred the body from the ambulance into the hospital bed or the hospital gurney, as they were doing that transfer, the body was going into seizures and it was flailing and moving all around. There was a lot of gross things coming out of the mouth and out of the body itself. As they were doing that though, they, they realized they needed to strap the body down so that they could work on it. And they strapped the legs first, then they went and strapped the arms. As they strapped the right arm, no problem. But when they went to strap the left arm, I felt as if someone was strapping my left arm where I was sitting watching this all happen. I really felt someone was strapping my left arm. And I looked down to see how someone could be strapping my left arm where I was sitting. And what I saw was the left arm on the body itself. And I resisted and I actually broke that strap that they were strapping the body with. They came back with a a bigger second strap and looked very much like a leg strap that they had put on the legs. And they put that on the arm. And I knew instantly that what I had been witnessing this whole time was me. At this point, It was an extremely scary place for me to be because when you're witnessing something, it's secondary to you. It's outside of you. But now all of a sudden, everything I've been witnessing for a long time, because this was a very long time that I was witnessing this. I realized that I was an idiot. How could I not know that I was watching my own death this whole time? How could I not know that? How could I not know How could I not recognize the body being my body? And I just felt so dumb and such an idiot, how I could not know that what I had been witnessing this whole time was my own death. And I started to allow these dark, fearful thoughts into my consciousness, into my mind space, my my head space. And as I was having these negative thoughts, I started to see some of the negative things I had done, some of the negative influences I had had in my life, and I saw it from the fastest little glimpses, but I saw it from, from not just inside of me, but from inside the people that I affected. And as I started to feel like I was drowning in this fear and darkness, I began to feel this warmth, the most beautiful warmth. Words literally can't describe this warmth that I felt. This pure, unconditional love started to pour over me. It felt like warm water being poured over my back. And I remember it was such a beautiful feeling that I wanted to know where it was coming from. And as I I embraced this feeling, I started to now see in very quick flashes the good things that I had done and that there was so much more good that I had ever done than ever bad. And not just that, I also saw the future things that I was going to be able to do. I saw the impact of my life, the ripple effect of my life before and after my experience of death. And as I was experiencing that, I did turn my countenance towards that warmth, towards that, that purifying white light that was pouring through me and cleansing me of all those negative thoughts, those negative feelings. And I turned my countenance behind me and, and perceived this man, this man all dressed in white, he was wearing a white suit with like a white robe over his shoulders. He had a very long white beard, He had longer white hair around his shoulders, and he had very, very pink skin, just extremely pink skin, but pink skin that glistened like sand in the sun. It was just absolutely amazing just to be witness of his countenance because he exuded love, he exuded unconditional love, love I had never experienced in this world love that i knew i didn't deserve love that was so full of grace and so full of power and that love it it permeated me it cleansed me it cleansed me of all the the little black holes that i had allowed to grow inside of me in this life from trauma and from from abuse from harm that i had received and as i'm experiencing this as i'm experiencing this and and feeling this this tremendous feeling, I, I'm thinking in my mind, this must be God. And the very next thing I hear, I hear almost a chuckle or a laughter in a loving way. And I hear, no son, I'm not God. And I know it's this man talking to me. And I, I recognize that we're communicating with just thought. We don't use our mouths. Then I think the very follow-up thought is, well, if you're not God, then you must be Jesus and me being raised as a christian kid i thought it had to be jesus and again he he in his glistening power he just sat there and and, and kind of chuckled and lovingly sent love towards me helping me understand that he wasn't jesus either but who he was is my guide that his name is drake and he's there to help facilitate or help me go where i want to go So if I wanted to go back, if I wanted to go back to where my body was and get back in my body, I could. But I could also go with him. And instantly I knew I didn't want to go back where that body was. Even looking back at that energy of what was going on around the body, it looked like hell, it really did. Especially compared to this love, this tremendous love and power that was coming out of this gentleman. So I went ahead and I said, I want to go. I want to go with you. I wanna go wherever you're going. He again, grinned and smiled and explained to me, well, that's perfect because he's gonna help me see what's next, what's next in my existence, in my life. And thus we began a journey. And he helped me understand that this journey, that it's not a your typical journey from point A to point B, from one point in the universe to another point in the universe. Then not only were we gonna be traveling From one point to another, we're going to be traveling to a much higher frequency or a much higher understanding, a much higher form of energy that I had to become to be able to go where we were going to go. So he began this process of traveling, guiding and helping me at the same time as lovingly educating me. And at this point, I really felt that I had kind of a secret in to heaven and to where we were going. I really felt that my secret way of getting in was I was born into Christian faith and raised in that faith very strongly. And so I thought there must be a quick front door or back door or side door I could get directly into heaven because I had everything I needed in my faith. And he smiled and lovingly showed me that there was so much more I didn't fully embrace or understand yet, even in my Christianity, In my version of Christianity that I learned and was raised in, I wasn't fully embodied to what I needed to know. For me, I wasn't fully embodied to know what I needed to know to get where we were gonna go. So he began this process of working me through these principles. Now he worked me through so many principles, but I break them down in my experience to 10 major principles. And it would take me hours and hours to go over each and every one of these principles But as I went through this process, today I'll try to explain the basics of each one of them. The first thing he taught me is that I had to learn how to be truly authentic, to be myself no matter who I'm ever around, that my authentic version of myself is who I am and not the different version I allowed to be around certain friends, certain family, coworkers, and different aspects of who I allowed myself to be. And this was a big deal for me. I thought I was already authentic. And he helped me see how I wasn't, how I did definitely put on a different face, almost a different countenance, depending on where I went, depending on whether I was at the gym, whether I was at work, whether I was on a date, whether I was with friends or family. I definitely acted a different personality in those different spaces. And Drake helped me see that there's absolute beauty in authenticity And in this life, we see the most authentic people are the very, very young and the very, very old, because as you come in this world and as you leave this world, you don't care about what others think. You're authentic. And it's from that authentic space, being authentic, we will learn the most. And it allows us a solid foundation to build upon so that we can grow to where we can possibly go in this universe. So. I began that process of being authentic and peeling away the different aspects and layers and personalities I had allowed over the top of who I really was. And I allowed that authentic self to be out and to be there and to be accepted, to accept who I was. For weaknesses and in strengths, I accepted myself for who I was. And that brought me to understanding principle two, which is fully understanding the reason that we're here and the reason we are here is to learn that's it because we get to take the lessons we learn with us and it's very sad to me that there's so many people out there that say we are here to live and experience a courtroom experience but no we are here in a classroom this is a classroom we're here to learn to create to embody love and to use the power of love to create and to build relationships and creations. And that's what we're here to do. And that brings me to the third principle, which is love everyone. That because we are here to learn how to love, love is that third principle, the, and being able to truly unconditionally love all mankind all mankind, womankind, all people and all creation. All the beings, all the plants, the trees, the animals, all of creation is part of that energy of loving everyone. And once I understood that love everyone principle, it really helped me grasp how much there is out there in the universe. And Drake helped me gain a vision or or grasp really how big the cosmos is, how big all of creation is and how life persists and is not the rarity that we were taught it is. Life is everywhere in the universe, everywhere in the universe. And for us to truly grow, we do have to embody that love energy, that unconditional love energy. And when we do, we grow the most, just like those in our society who are the youngest and the oldest. They tend to be that authentic, loving being that loves most, most all. And then it brings me to the fourth principle, is which is listen to your inner voice. Listen to the built in conscience or gut or direction that we have directly from the Creator, from God, that we have a direct connection with God through our inside, through our holy temple, which is here between our two temples that's our holy temple. And we have a sacred connection to the Creator there, if we will allow it. But first, we must recognize that it is there, and then begin the the work of listening. And the more we listen, the stronger the voice. The less we listen, the more the voice disappears, the more the gut feeling or the conscience disappears for us. So it's important for us to understand that we have that inner voice, that that's a possibility for us, for inner guidance, for answers to prayers, for direction when we have questions. And that brings me to the next principle, which is the fifth principle, which is, you know, using technology responsibly, understanding that that inner voice can only be as strong as we allow it to be. And if we are so distracted with our daily access to technology, then our paradigm or our world, our universe will not even recognize that inner voice because we are so distracted with our technology. So understanding technology and the responsibility that comes with it, that we must use it with limitation and with control because it can take over that space, that space that God exists in all of us that voice that exists in all of us can be put out by technology easily, actually. And which leads us to the sixth principle, which is release prejudice. And me, myself, I felt that I was the least prejudiced person that I thought I knew. But what I didn't realize is I did have prejudice towards prejudiced people. And that in itself puts me on the team of prejudice. And I myself had to release my own judgments of even prejudiced people and release that to understand that all creation is divine, even those who have the mistake of judging others and putting them down in from insecurity. And I was taught to know that victims create victims many, many times. Hurt people hurt people. That when someone is hurting or judging or putting another down, it's because they feel themselves put down or hurt. And that once we understand that process, we can love beyond the prejudice of other people. And we can love the soul that exists, the peace of God that exists inside every single one of us. That's extremely important for us to grow. And that's the the principle number six of releasing prejudice that I was taught. Then it brought me to principle number seven, which is exercise the power of creation. We're here, we're in the classroom, we can create. And it begins with our thoughts because our thoughts become our habits. Our habits become our actions. Our actions become our character and our destiny and the direction that we live our life. So it's very important that we start with our thoughts. And if we can think it, we can build it, we can create it. So control the thoughts, choose what goes in your holy temple. Because there is where the beginning of creation starts, is with our thoughts. Now, understanding that that power of creation is is very, very valuable for us if we understand that we do all have that empowerment of creation, that we do create our own universes. Individually, we create our own experience here by our thoughts. We can have multiple people in the same place, and half the people love it, the other half hate it. And they're having the same experience in the same environment. But it's the thoughts that are shaping that creation, that experience or that existence. And it's very important for us to learn the power of creation, that the beginning of creation and the power of creation is our thoughts. And if we can embody a loving thought and the ability to love with our thoughts and think with our love, we can really create anything we want in this universe. That brings us to principle number eight, which is avoid negative influences. Negative influences are everywhere and and they're part of technology, but they're also part of toxic environments and toxic relationships and toxic jobs, toxic schools, toxic relationships, relationships everywhere. It's important for us to avoid these negative influences and recognize when there is toxicity or negative energy around us, and call on God, call on the Creator, to bring a barrier of protection between us and the negative energy, us and the negative influence. And in doing so, we can avoid it. We can start shaping our space and shaping our environment and our experience here on this Earth to fully embody the power of creation that we all have. And that brings us to principle nine, which is understanding that there is a purpose to evil that for there to be an up there has to be a down so as long as we are constantly learning even from our mistakes we can turn our mistakes into blessings as long as we're learning but there is absolute purpose in evil there there has to be evil for there to be good because without evil there is no good without good there is no evil we have to understand that there is a divine balance between the two and it's our choices starting with our thoughts that we choose which direction we want our energy to go. Do we want to go towards the good energy, towards the positive, the love energy? Or do we want to go towards the negative energy, the evil energy, the fear energy? And that led me to the last principle, which is know that we are all one. Every single one of us are creations of the Creator. We are all fingers on the Creator's hand. So for one finger to judge or hurt or harm, another finger is to only harm or hurt oneself, that we are all one in creation. We are one in God's body or Creator's body, that because we do carry that spark, that golden light of God within us, we can build that, strength strengthen that and understand that all beings, all creations here carry that and that to harm any other creation is to only harm God and ourselves. And once I fully embodied this, I actually started to see heaven and started to have a heaven experience where I saw us touching down on a a very vast planet, a very vast space. And I got to experience the most beautiful trees, the most beautiful grass and grass alone. If we could comprehend a single blade of grass here, we would change everything we do here, everything. Because just the grass alone embodied so much power and light and passionate love for us, for us. The creations of the creator are loved so much in this space. And you feel this love coming from everything. And you feel this tremendous white light coming out of everything. Even the grass had light coming out of it. It had a smell, a beautiful, beautiful, sweet smell. And it even had a music coming off of it. Literally, you could hear music, a harmony, almost like a little mini symphony coming off of just the grass. And as I could see just the glistening light and love and presence, even embodied in the grass alone. I felt so strongly the presence of God there. As we touched down, I could feel and connect to God in this space, that God was everywhere, that God wasn't just showing up in me and showing up in my guide Drake. God was showing up in everything there, everything there. And it was just a a beautiful experience that I have a hard time explaining because literally we don't have these colors. We don't have these smells. We don't have these sounds that I experienced there. But yet I want the world to know what's there for all of us, for all of us that we can learn and master the power of creation to get there very easily. But it starts with our heart, with ourself first, that we must first love ourself first before we can truly embody love there Before we can love anyone outside us. We have to love ourself. And as I'm learning this and I'm experiencing this vast building, huge building, That to me, it seemed like a university, a place of learning that souls or spirits can go to learn the mysteries of the universe, unfiltered by mankind. True, unfiltered knowledge, as people would want to receive it. And as I'm experiencing all this, I'm just in awe and amazed, and I'm experiencing water and the healing power of water there. How the water there, you don't feel it getting wet, but you feel it cleansing you and making you whole and taking away any harm that this life has ever brought into you. And as I'm experiencing all this, my guide Drake comes to me. And At this point, I know him really well because he worked me through these 10 principles and it was really hard. Every Every single one of these principles, as I understood it and embraced it, we were able to keep moving. But as I didn't understand it or fully embrace it, we would slow our momentum. So he would help me through that, through that whole process of our journey. And he brings me close and says, Vinny, this is going to be very hard, but it's going to be worth it. And he brings me in and gives me a hug. And there, hugs are different. Hugs are very, very different there because there, you're not trapped in the physical form or in the, the third dimensional form. You're physical there, but you're more energy than you are low-density carbon like you are here. So as we brought our two energetic bodies together, we came together as one in this hug. And as we did, both our light came together. His light and my light came together and expanded. And it's so beautiful because the light of the two of us was four times brighter than the light of the single, of the individual. And I learned a very powerful principle in that, that when we come together in love, we become four times stronger than we could ever become on our own. And that's only if two come together in love. And I learned this extremely powerful principle as he's hugging me. And, and I felt, I felt the most pure, unconditional love coming from my guide Drake in this hug. And I know that it was the love of God. Christians would also call it the love of Christ, but this love, was pure unobtrused and so very powerful as it came over me i started to actually hear a special prayer that was being given to my body well meanwhile while i'm here traveling and i'm going to heaven i had been in a coma for three days i'd been dead and revived and now in a coma for three days my body had been and my brother was down on earth He was giving my body this special prayer. And as he did this third night that I was in this coma, he blessed that I would be made whole and that I would be okay. And as he closed that prayer, the love that my brother had for me forced me, forced me, took my agency away because that prayer was stronger than even my agency. And that love that he felt and that I felt for him It forced me back to my body and forced me into the hardest experience I've ever had in my life. And yes, the hardest experience was coming back from heaven. Because once you're there, you don't want to come back to this. And that's understandable for those who have been there. They understand that. And I woke up after three days in a coma, brain dead. I woke up. I woke up around 1.11 in the morning then the morning after my brother had given me that special prayer over my body i woke up i felt fine i pulled all the tubes out of me i had a lot of tubes and needles and sensors all over me and i pulled them all off every single one as i did i felt this just need to breathe i felt like i couldn't breathe i felt so claustrophobic i felt that as if i couldn't i couldn't grasp Oxygen. I felt like I was being oxygen starved because we, our energetic bodies, who we really are, our eternal etheric body, our soul, is much, much larger than the physical form we take here. And I felt as if I was maybe like a whale who is crammed into a sardine can. I felt so compacted and claustrophobic. And that lasted for a good bit. I just stood there and I actually tried to leave the hospital right then. And of course, all these alarms are going off. I unplugged some machines and didn't do any good. The alarms were still going off and on the desk on the inside of the hospital. And within moments while I was, you know, walking down the hall trying to leave, these two nurses came and and screamed and were looking for me and, and found me and took me back to my room. And I just knew I had to stay there Uh, not just for me, but for them that they would get in a lot of trouble if somehow I just disappeared or walked away. And so I did, I stayed, I stayed for a good, almost six full hours, just short of six full hours, signing paperwork, doing tests, test after test, after test, after test, they wanted to test everything. They thought that I was going to slip back into a coma and die any moment. And they kept telling me that they also kept calling me the miracle boy. And I didn't feel like a miracle. I felt like the cursed kid. That's what I felt like because I felt so claustrophobic with everything. And fast forward, this entered the hardest part of my life was coming back and trying to go back to a quote unquote normal life of working and trying to find normal worldly happiness or earthly happiness, not worldly, but earthly happiness. And I just wasn't finding it in anything. And I kept hearing my guide's voice. I kept hearing Drake tell me this is going to be really hard, but it's going to be worth it. And fast forward, almost three months later, it did begin to become worth it. I met the love of my life. I met my Earth Angel. Her name is Andrea. And I could see literally Heaven's light coming from her eyes. And for those who really know her, they know that, that when she is in her loving space, her space where she works with kids, kids with special needs, she brings, she brings the beams of light that I saw in heaven here on earth. And she became my saving grace. She is the reason I'm here today. And she has facilitated and helped me to begin my work of helping, loving, caring, and creating, and embodying my principles that I had to learn to get to heaven. And what I've done since is I've really tried my perfect no way, shape, or form, but I have really tried and I continue to try to embody these principles every single day and maintain a strict, very strict relationship with my Creator, where I check in daily. And if I don't, I'm, I get sick, I physically get sick. And it's important for me, where I exist, that I have to do that daily check-in with God. And if I don't do that, I get out of sorts and my energy gets very out of sorts and messed up. I have to stay in that space. And that's where I exist. And for many years, I've been sharing my experience. My experience is, is not for everybody. But for those who hear it and it resonates with them, it is for them. And especially as they learn of my experience and they study these 10 principles that I did learn, it really helps people that need that. For those that it doesn't resonate with them, it's not for everybody and I don't prescribe that it is. But I felt this strong mission, a soul mission to share my experience and for many years, for 15 years, I shared it only verbally. And then for the last five, we've actually started writing it down and we got it published in, in my book. And it's called The Light After Death, My Journey to Heaven and Back. And as sad as it is to say, I had to die to learn how to live because I wasn't living in a way that would bring me true happiness, true eternal happiness was not a part of my life until after I died. And since I died, I've learned a completely different way of living. And I love and I'm so grateful for my experience because it does make me a better person. It makes me a much better empathetic person that can help others even when they're not willing to ask for help. I know they need help and I, and I tend to, to reach out and do that as I can and I'm able to. And I want you to know If you take anything from this experience, just know this, that you are a divine masterwork. You, how you are right now, sitting, hearing this, you are a divine masterwork. And just like any divine masterwork, your value comes from your mistakes and your successes. That is what makes you the masterwork. And don't second guess your value because you are extremely valuable to the creator, to the universe, to God, the Father. And if there is anything that you take away from this, I wish it would be that because we are important to our creator. We are the divine masterwork. The whole universe is interested in what's going on here. And we are important. That's why. They're all interested in what's going on here, our earth, in our world. We are important. And I want to leave you with that and let you know that I'm sending you all love and extreme amounts of light and wishing for you a strong divine connection with your creator, with your God, who loves you so very much. Peace and love to you all.